This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME10. Hello, this is Ivarian X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Well, I have a lot of exciting things to, to share with you today, so I'm just going to jump right into it. This week, I had a chance to put together a, a Google Hangout, which served as a, a kind of reunion for some people that I like to refer to as the OG podcasters. I and four other photographers who uh, have podcasts and have had podcasts for the last six, seven and some of us probably eight years now, got together to sit down and talk about how podcasting had, had changed our lives and our photography. And those those guests included myself, Chris Marquardt from Tips from the Top Floor, Jeff Curto from the History of Photography and Camera Position, Martin Bailey from the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast, and John Arnold from Photo Walkthrough. Now, we used to get together fairly irregularly for a thing called... Uh, the Focus Ring, which was uh, which was a, a podcast in and of itself, in which we would sit down and have conversations uh, with each other about different aspects and topics in photography. But it's been quite a while since we we've had a chance to do that, and I've been thinking that now with the ability of video as well as audio, why not get the gang back together and uh, let's let's catch up? And that's what we did this week. And you'll find the link on, on the uh, on the hour and a half long show on the Candid Frame website at thecandidframe.com. So whether you were familiar with us uh, from back in the focus ring days or, or these guys are completely new to you, it'll be a fun opportunity to, to find out about how photography and podcasting has sort of gelled in, in each of our lives. And I suspect that we're going to be doing it again and uh, getting more into the spirit of just talking about different topics of photography. I love these guys. Uh, these guys have been a great source of inspiration for me. And their shows are, are shows that I highly, highly recommend. And the fact that they're still plugging away after seven, eight years, uh, respectively, is is quite an ac- accomplishment. And uh, if you like what you're you're seeing there and hearing, um, drop me an email and, and and tell me what you'd like to hear from this show that you're not getting from from other programs. Another thing that I'm really excited about is these listener showcases or profiles that I've been uh, displaying on the blog every every Tuesday. We've already already showcased uh, three three photographers, and these guys are listeners to the show, and I'm using it as an opportunity for all you listeners to discover other listeners and, and to see the fantastic work they're they're doing. A lot of them are submitting images through uh, the Candid Frame Flickr group. And uh, I'm hoping that not only will that be a, a great goldmine for talent that I'll be showcasing on the on the show each Tuesday or on the blog uh, each Tuesday, I'm also hoping that it'll give you guys an opportunity to start meeting each other and dialoguing, because the the community here, the Candid Frame, is is pretty huge, but it's sort of an untapped resource. And uh, I think that if you find people there whose work you really like or you gravitate to, to, to reach out and not only comment on their photographs, but try to create a di- dialogue and hopefully a relationship that will extend beyond what's happening in front of your computer. Um, I think it's an exciting part of what we're doing at the show, and I hope that, that you take advantage of it, because I certainly want to do that for myself. 
And lastly, the probably the most exciting uh, thing I want to announce is the fact that the Candid Frame app for the iOS uh, operating system is now available both for the uh, the phone and for the tablets. As of this hearing, as if you're hearing this right now, you can now download the app for the Candid Frame for your iOS phone or tablet for free. And uh, that largely is a result of the many people who've taken the time to donate uh, to the show and support me in this effort of providing an app um, for everyone who listens to the show and will be listening to the show. And the app is, is pretty cool because not only can you download every episode that we've produced on the show, but you can mark favorites. So if you want to return to an episode that you particularly like to listen to again, you don't have to scroll down that extensive list of interviews. You just go to your, your favorites and, and there, there it will be. And some of the other nice stuff is if you're midway through listening through an episode and you close that out of the app, when you open up the app again and you return to that recording, it starts exactly where you, where you left off, which is awesome. And then you also have the show notes that are going to be displayed there. And you can also email me directly from the app. So if there's something that you like on the show that you're hearing, or if you want to suggest a guest for the show, you can do it right for the app. But you guys can go out there who are using the iOS system and download it right now and and enjoy it. And all I ask is that if you download it and you like what you're seeing there, please write a review on the Apple iTunes store telling me, telling people how much you like the app and like the show because it's it's going to be those kind of comments that are going to allow it to rise to the fore and get people's attention and have them download it and and discover the wonderful stuff that we're doing here on the Candid Frame. Hi, this is Martin Taylor, editor of the Candid Frame, breaking in to interrupt iBaronix with some late breaking news, and that is that the Candid Frame app is now available for Android as well as iOS. This is not something that X was aware of when he recorded this introduction, but the application is now available for download from the Amazon Android App Store. So if you have an Android phone or tablet, the app is available for you to download and use as well. Thanks. Back to X. Like last week, I wanted to continue to thank the people who have been really generous in donating uh, to the show. And um, they include Tom Devlin, Andy Morland, Bradley Cummings, Guy Bichelle, Jim Escalante, William McCarroll, Nigel McQuitty, Carl Short, Lee Thatcher, Don Holy Cross, Pahirathan Paramagnanam, Paul Richmond, Frederick Clark, Javier Reza, Peter J. McDonald, Rick Smolin, Samuel Butler, Alan Castlehout, Jan Lipton, and Kyle Nishioka. Now, if, if I've forgotten someone, I, I, I apologize. I, I think I got everybody who's, who's donated over the last couple of weeks, and I just, I just can't thank you enough. The, the, the money's been a great help, but the comments that have come along with those donations have really, really moved me because I've been hearing from people from all experience levels, from all different parts of the world, how much the show has meant to them and how much, uh, it's influenced not only, not only their photography, but, but their lives and, when I hear stuff like that, it just, it really just does my heart so good. It just, it just fills me up and, and makes all the work and effort that uh, I've been putting over this into the show for close, closing on eight years now, so much worth it. And, and just, just, just thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are awesome. You're great. And um, I love the fact that uh, I'm able to continue to produce this show and encourage your journey as as a photographer. Well, next week in New York is the Photo Plus Expo, which is a big trade show here in the States where all the manufacturers of cameras, lenses, softwares, and all imaginable accessories are going to be all in one place promoting their, their new products that uh, they're going to be marketing for, for the holiday season and for the next, and for the next year. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm not going to be there, but one of the people who is going to be there is our guest, Chris Gampat, who is the creator of the website called The Fab blogger and it's a site that I've been contributing our articles to for the last several months and I've been following the site for for at least a, a year now and I've really enjoyed the content on there 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 are no shortages of websites uh, dedicated to the topic of photography with you know intense reviews and lens tests and things like that but one of the things I've enjoyed about the photographer is sort of the more conversational tone they take to their reviews and uh, the essays that they put on the site. And I'm really pleased to be, be part of the, the team now. And uh, I wanted to sit down with Chris because he's been in the photo industry for a while, working at BNH Photo, working for magazines, working as a photographer himself. And since the Photo Expo is going to be uh, a wash with a lot of news about new products and new services, I thought it would be a good time to sit sit down with someone who's not only going to be at the event, but also has an insight into what's happening in the photo industry today. So I hope you'll check out the photographer when you have the chance and discover the great alternative that they have to a lot of the other photo-centric websites that are out there. And most importantly, I just want to thank you guys again for just sticking around, whether you've been listening to the show for six months or for six years. You guys are special to me, and I'm glad to be here for you. Well, Chris, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Iberian X. So, and it's been good working with you over the last couple of months. I really have enjoyed, uh, um, well, I've always enjoyed your your, your site, The Fablographer, uh, for quite a while now. And uh, I'm enjoying having the chance to be a, a contributor and, and working with you guys. But why don't we start off with you telling us a little more about yourself and The, and the Fablographer? Okay, well, let's start off with the photographer first. Uh, the photographer is, besides being the hardest website in the photo industry to say and spell, <laughs> um, it is a website basically about photography, um, cameras, lenses, culture, and news um, that affects the photo community at large. It originally was a website that was really just focused on reviews. And stuff like that. And we did it in basically a field review manner. So instead of being a website that came out there and, you know, did reviews and testing and labs, I thought to myself, you know, real photographers aren't sitting there looking at images 100% when they buy a camera all the time. Well, they could be, but they're not sitting there pouring over tests all day. They're too busy shooting. So I wanted to create a website that was really just about shooting and at that point, um, I actually was getting out of being both a wedding photographer and a paparazzi, as well as being a freelance journalist in the tech area and the video game area um, of the industry. Um, but before that, I mean, I was also shooting since I was shooting seriously since college. 
I'd say around sophomore year of college, I got into photography by basically I was, I was a journalism major. And then what happened was I took a photojournalism class under John Carlos Williams, who is a Pulitzer winner for New York Newsday. And he basically got me obsessed with it because anytime I would shoot a photo, he'd basically tell me it was horrible. And I mean, I never really had anyone telling me that my work was horrible throughout Catholic school or anywhere else in college. But you sit there and you're just, you're crushed. And you sit there thinking to yourself, how am I going to really appeal to this guy? And what does he want? So I just kept trying over and over and failing and learning about how to basically try to create a better photo. And somehow or another, I ended up with an A in the class. So then I went on to photojournalism too with him and another project that I was shooting for him, um, which was a long-term project throughout the entire semester. It was actually on foreclosures, um, something that another photographer, a colleague of mine is actually working on right now, uh, who was also on the show recently, David Wells. Um, I was working on that project and overall he was just still like, look, this really isn't what I wanted. And this isn't really what you agreed with me on. And I told him, I'm like, yes, it is what I told you. I said I was going to give you, but what exactly were you looking for? And then when I said that, I thought to myself, he's actually trying to act like a photo editor. And he's actually trying to teach us to be photographers that shoot for what an editor at a magazine or a newspaper or something else like that would want. So then I carefully listened to him. I gave him what he wanted, and I got an A+, one of the few A-pluses in the class uh, at that time. But it felt even better later on, though, because there was this one photo that he hated, and I managed selling it to another tech magazine. And I came back and I told him that, and he was like, wow, what do I know? (laughs) (laughs) So we just laughed at it. But we still keep in touch via email. I still consider him one of my big mentors in the photo world. So yeah, things are good with that. And that's really just how I really got into photography. Um, but also throughout college, I was mostly a video guy. Uh, but when I graduated college, um, I graduated college in 2009 and around then we were basically going through a second recession in the United States. And when, when you graduate, um, and you, even if you had a network back then, it was really tough to get a job, but the only jobs I could get were in still photography. So essentially stills paid the bills and I had to put my video side on the back burner. And from there I got into wedding photography into being a paparazzi for a little while, which it had its ups and downs, mostly it's downs, um, especially being threatened by guards, but it did teach me to be a better shooter. And then after that, I mean, Nothing was really working out for me at that point. And there was a point where basically I was in a small depression. And I thought to myself, you know, I can't sit here and just let all these things pile up on me, Um, especially being a young 22-year-old man and just facing what I felt at the time were insurmountable odds. So I thought to myself, I'm going to build something. And I'm going to build something that's going to take care of me later on in life. And we're around four years old now, and I quit my day job at B&H Photo last November and now been running the photographer full-time since and haven't looked back. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I was reading your um, the little essay that you wrote about how you got the photography bug, and, mm-hmm. and you just mentioned how it seems like photography has ended ended up being the means by which you sort of lift yourself up from some real difficult difficult experience, life experiences, and and and, and emotions. And I think that for t- for people who who are passionate beyond just the the technical stuff that they're driven by it. It's often rooted in, in, in something along those lines that somehow photography serves as a catalyst of being able to get out of those doldrums in some way. Absolutely. I mean, I also believe that in a way that could probably translate to many different forms of creative output. I mean, some writers try to channel difficult times in writing. I mean, Take a look at the poets like Sylvia Plath, for example. And then other artists try to channel it through music. They try to channel their different emotions and somehow or another finds a way to touch people. And I think that a powerful image can absolutely do that as well. But you really just have to have absolute control over it. And you have to have a lot of awareness as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about making the leap to to making the photographer what, what it is, because you know, to a lot of people's thinking, you got a job at B and H, and that would seem like a cush job, particularly if you have a, a fondness for photography. Yeah, and and so and the idea of going out and doing this thing that's sort of based on the internet, which is just ripe with a lot of obstacles, and and there's no shortage of competition out there. It's 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 a big risk. So what what kind of drove you to? make the choice to do that and to stick with it over the long term in order to make sure that, you know, it, it succeeds. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. B&H was an excellent place. Um, but at that point, I literally said to myself that, you know, it, basically I was, it was right around Hurricane Sandy where I was sitting in my apartment and I was just, you know, taking some time to look up at my ceiling and really think back a little bit on my life. I barely have time to do that as it is, but every now and then I try to give myself that time. And I think it's very important to do that in your twenties and maybe even into your thirties and forties. So I was doing that. And I literally said to myself, you know, I told myself that I would be at least trying to build some sort of empire by the time I was 30. And I was 25 at that point. I was midway through my 20s, and right now I'm 26 years old. And I said to myself, you know, I'm doing pretty well with it, but I feel like I can absolutely take this further. But how can I take that further? And what it really occurred to me was, one, my day job was taking up quite a bit of my time, and I could be spending that time doing other things uh, to build the website at that point. At that point, we didn't have paid advertising on the website. We only had affiliate advertising. In addition to that, I couldn't always take all the meetings with manufacturers like Canon or Nikon or Olympus all the time. I'd probably have to request some time off from work or I'd have to figure out a way to make it work, essentially. And I was looking at that and I was saying to myself, you know, it's, I've kind of stifled myself in trying to achieve that goal. And then I told myself, I think I'm just going to go right ahead and I'm going to achieve this goal. But before that, I was also trying to figure out ways that I could make the photographer even bigger, but probably try to like keep my day job throughout the entire time. But at that point, I was also thinking to myself, you know, we probably are about to explode in terms of traffic. And 
I was absolutely correct. During that month, we absolutely did explode in terms of traffic. And I told myself, I really should probably try to ride this into whatever I possibly can. And if I don't have enough money or anything else like that, I still do have quite a bit of connections in the photo industry. And I can be a freelance journalist or I can be a freelance photographer or I can be a freelance social media content developer and manager. So I told myself, I'm just, I'm going to be okay. And I think that's really what you have to have in your mind when you're basically leaving your day job and you want to pursue your passion. You have to say to yourself, I'm going to be okay. But at the but there also needs to be a voice in the back of your mind screaming at you saying you need to push further ahead. And that's basically what I did. So in order to push further ahead, I set a lot of goals for myself. I said, we're going to reach this traffic number within three months. And then we're going to reach this traffic number within four months or six months or something else like that. And we kept beating the goals. Um, there were a couple of obstacles within the way, especially with distrib- uh, distribution in terms of social media and you know apps like Flipboard and stuff like that. But we were able to overcome them. And then I thought to myself, you know, okay, we have to work more on social media. And from what I know in the social media marketing world, what you have to do is you actually have to sit there and be social, and you have to work with other companies and feed off of one another. And basically develop what I say are symbiotic relationships. So that's really what we did. And when we did that, we started to grow a lot more. We changed our format a little bit um, to appeal more to a broader audience. And then in addition to that too, what we also tried to do is we tried to find a way to do news and features in such a way that people will come to the site and they'd feel great. And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that is... I wanted people to come in and laugh at some of our stories. For example, we have some headlines that are a little bit funny or a little bit tongue in cheek, and no one really else does that in the photo industry. But if you look at the technology industry, for example, Gizmodo did that, and it did really well for them. So Gizmodo, in a way, was quite an influence on how I started the photographer and everything about it. Yeah, there are a couple of things that you said that really struck me. I was actually doing some writing this morning, and this idea of of having a sense of that I'm going to be okay. I think it was a big, a, a, a big revelation for me that, cause I have those moments and I think everybody does where you have th- those doubts and those anxieties and those insecurities and just having an overall sense that over the long term that you're going to be okay is really, really important. And also recognizing that those insecurities, those feelings are only temporary that you like you, like you did you need to still establish some benchmarks for yourself and some goals because those are those are the very things that get you through those moments where you're doubting yourself. And if you don't have those benchmarks, you never have the satisfaction of feeling like, okay, I accomplished something, I did something. When you you know when you create all those baby steps for yourself, you're basically creating a stepping stones for yourself where you can really gauge your progress rather than falling into the funk of feeling like you're not worthy or you're not good enough. So. I'm glad to hear you saying, uh, sort of reflecting that to me as well. Yeah, I think it's really important to not only anyone looking to create a business, but also, I mean, obviously in the photo world, there are so many people that want to leave their day job, but they don't realize that, you know, there's so much that you need to necessarily do besides being a creative and a great salesman and a great marketer and all that. There's also the fact that obviously, yes, 
you need to have goals and you need to stick to them. And you basically need to be your own manager, whether it means sometimes giving up some extra vacation days uh, to go out there or giving up social time to, you know, push your baby and your machine ahead. It's basically what you have to do. And in the end, it's really going to be worth it. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Well, for the last several months, you've been hearing me talk about how easy Squarespace is to use to create your own portfolio or your website. The drag and drop templates allow you to bring in your photos, your text, and design a website that's not only easy and looks beautiful, but you can also customize it to your own personal taste and aesthetics. And the the block system that they have allow you to bring in any kind of content content, including video, and make it look beautiful within minutes, even if you don't know anything about HTML or coding. My own website for the Candid Frame at thecandidframe.com and my portfolio site at abarianx.net is all constructed using Squarespace. And it's been amazing not only to construct the website, but also to maintain it over time, which has always been one of the headaches about having a website. But not only can you find out for yourself how easy it is this week by taking advantage of the 14-day trial, but Squarespace Space is offering a special offer just to Candid Frame users. And what it is, is if anyone this week takes advantage of the 14-day trial and promotes their website on Twitter using the hashtag Candid Squarespace, they have the opportunity to get a website for free for a year. And what's going to happen is that different people like you are going to take advantage of the 14-day trial, create a website, share it using the hashtag Candid Squarespace, and I'm going to take a look at all those websites, and I'm going to choose one winner to receive a website from Squarespace for a year. And there also will be other winners who receive swag like t-shirts, moleskins, notebooks. So if you've been waiting, why don't you start that trial today? And remember, no credit card is needed to begin. Just start building your website. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME10 and get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is uh, Photo Plus Expo is, is happening soon. And uh, there are going to be a lot of blog posts and a lot of YouTube videos talking about all the new products that are being released or announced uh, at that show. But rather than just focus on making predictions, I thought it would be better to sort of take a step back and and discuss sort of the trends that you're seeing um, from your unique perspective. Because you've worked for magazines, you have your own blog, you've worked for BNH Photo, you've been a photographer. So I, I thought it would be... A, uh, a good time to sort of take a really broad view of the trends that are happening in the photo industry. So um, let, let's let's start with that. It's 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 a broad umbrella, but uh, let's see where we can take it. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously there is the whole wanting to always be connected to the web and sharing your experiences uh, all the time. And with that, there are two branches of that. One, there are all the Connected cameras. When I say connected cameras, I mean all the cameras that have uh, Wi-Fi built in so that they can work with your phone and then your images can be uploaded to the web immediately. And I just think that's going to continue on. But maybe in like two years, it might get to the point where basically a camera 
might be an item that you may even need to buy your own data plan with. Um, I mean, obviously Samsung has that right now with the Galaxy NX, and they're doing a great job overall. But it's interesting, and if you present that idea to a lot of photographers, they may sit there and be like, I don't necessarily want that. But they also said years ago that they didn't really want live view on their cameras. And I think that the industry will just adapt and people will be like, okay, I see, I see where this is really going and I see where this is, where this is useful. But then there's also a bunch of different segments. I mean, there's the people that just love taking photos with their phone. And then living in New York, um, I know that there are a lot of people that sit there and buy entry-level DSLRs or buy a DSLR and just sit there and shooting an auto. And basically I think that there are a lot of people that just love shooting and they want it as easy as possible and they want the photos to look as professional as possible. And I think that after a while, that whole professional marketing moniker is going to need to go away because the professional is really just a person that sells a vision and isn't really about having the best gear necessarily. I mean, there are a lot of people out there creating photos with, let's say, those crappy Diana cameras that people don't like, or with their phone. I mean, there are photographers that make their entire living off of Instagram, for example. So I think that after a while, consumers are also going to get smarter and they're going to say, okay, the professional moniker just is really about the vision. And I think that the marketing terminology is going to have to change once again. Um, also, I think that there, there will be the higher end of photographers that are enthusiasts, semi-professionals, and professionals. They're still going to want certain things. And those guys are mostly very conservative about what they want. They don't really want a lot of changes. Or if there are changes, they want them to be to make it their job easier, for example. Um there's probably going to be quite a bit of those, and that segment may move very, very slowly. But the lower end and the consumer end will move incredibly fast. Mm -hmm. And there may even be a slight point in the industry where we see an extreme blurring of lines between professional targeted products and consumer targeted products. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen a couple of posts talking about the the death of the DSLR, you know, with all these mirrorless and CSC cameras with people thinking that these are really going to eventually supplant it. And I think that's sort of missing, missing the mark. I, I really don't think that, that these types of cameras are really going to supplant, uh, the, the place of DSLRs. I think what they're doing is they're, they're filling up the space where compact cameras used to be that, that people, because they have, gain the fondness or an affinity for photography with their camera phones and they want to take a step up, they're not looking at little point and shoots. If anything, they're going to be looking for something that gives them versatility in a really compact form size. And I think that these mirrorless cameras are, are, are just that. So it's, it's not so much that these mirrorless cameras are going to, you know, are going to, you know, do something in terms of mint to high level DSLR sales. I think it's more about, you know, the fact that these compact, compact camera sales are just dwindling, which used to be the huge profit maker for, for camera manufacturers or camera manufacturers. And why you see it's such a run by all these different uh, brands to come out with their own definitive take on that kind of camera style. 
Yeah, um, I agree with you in some ways, but then also I know that, I mean, from working at B&H and from also trying to advise a lot of readers, there are some people that are just like, um, you know, me and my wife, we want to buy a DSLR. Um, should I go Canon or Nikon? And I keep telling them, I'm like, well, you know, Sony, Olympus, Panasonic, Fujifilm, they have some great options. And they're like, but it's on a DSLR, and I don't really have that pro look. And I'm like, you don't really need that pro look necessarily to really be a pro or to really have any of that. You can get such great image quality from that. So, I mean, with that, I feel like, Mostly with American, the American audience, they really haven't accepted the mirrorless world quite as much. Some of them have, obviously, but some of them, the general consensus has not still. And I'm not quite sure what will change that outlook. Uh, Fujifilm has done a good job with their X-Series, and they're doing a good job trying to change that outlook with the rangefinder-esque type cameras, but... Other than that, most people are still trying to cling to DSLRs. Me personally, I mean, my professional camera is a 5D Mark II, and I've bought a couple of mirrorless cameras for testing for the website. But, I mean, well, I'm also an advanced shooter and a semi-professional these days. I actually usually reach for my mirrorless cameras, but that's also because the fact that I am confident enough in my work that I know that whatever you hand me, I can still accomplish something. But once again, that's not everyone. Yeah. It seems like it, it, it's at least broadening the marketplace. I mean, you talk about Canon and Nikon and that used to be all that you used to, to hear about, but you're hearing so much about the stuff that's being produced by, you know, Fuji, by Olympus, by Samsung and all these other manufacturers that you used to not hear much about. And I think a large part of that is, is sort of, has been released largely as a result of the internet about having a much broader forum from which people can discuss photography rather than just being relegated to um, the monthly photo magazines. That's absolutely correct. And as you touch upon the internet, I think that what we also really have to keep in mind is something that is so core to marketing these days, which is social media. I mean, Facebook has been a great equalizer for a lot of these companies. They develop fan base and then that fan base shares what that company has. And then other people eventually cling onto them as well. So, I mean, it's kind of been a great equalizer in a way, but then in that case, it also just makes every single company try harder with their marketing and with what they can put out there. Uh, you're absolutely right. Overall though, I remember when, no one else wanted to look at Canon or Nikon. And in some ways, and in some markets, that is still a mentality, but its I don't really feel it's a general mentality overall worldwide. Um, in the U.S., though, it, it can be. It depends on who's selling you the camera. I mean, at B&H Photo, where I was working, they would try to push anything they possibly can. But if you look at, say let's say a Best Buy or let's say a Walmart or something like that, they're usually pushing Canon or Nikon, but that's a totally different consumer as well. Do you, do you feel that, um, you know, you get, you get to evaluate a lot of different cameras and I think for the general consumer, do you believe that most of these cameras are really providing exceptional image quality and that any differences are, are, are often more about splitting hairs or for, for the, the you know, the extreme photo geeks who, 
or the pixel peepers who really want to sort of differentiate those sort of fine lines that make a difference between one camera and another? I absolutely, totally, 100% feel that way. And we've actually sat here and thought about our entire review process to reflect that. Like, for example, first off, I don't think there's any manufacturer, any major manufacturer in the world right now that's making a bad camera. There is no such thing as a bad camera. It's really just about what's best for you. In terms of image quality, all those high ISOs and noise and things like that, a lot of those problems can be fixed very easily in software like Lightroom. Um, purple fringing with lenses can also be fixed very easily. The overall image quality, I mean, unless you're talking about dynamic range and pulling highlights from one image versus another, then yeah, there absolutely could be a difference. But for most people, any camera will absolutely do. And at that point, I think that People just really need to understand that. But trying to get that message out across to them when all these manufacturers are trying to say, oh, no, ours is best. Ours is best. No, ours is best. No, theirs is terrible. And they're trying to compare and trying to do smear campaigns against one another. I mean, it makes it tough to realize, that you know, people don't necessarily always need what could be said is the best because you're at the end of the day, you're just taking photos you're probably shooting them in JPEG anyway. You're probably going to put them up to Facebook or some other image sharing service. And I mean, there's no reason to look at your images at a hundred percent or anything else at that point. Anything you upload to the web is going to look really nice. Yeah. For me, when I'm, when I'm evaluating a camera, I'm, I'm expecting that the image quality is going to be really, really good. My concern usually is with the user experience, the layout of the controls, how do I access exposure compensation or white balance or ISO? And, and do I have to go through a menu? Can I do it through a button? Can I use just one finger as opposed to two? And usually that's my biggest concern because my assumption is that these cameras are going to be able to produce really good images if I'm practicing good, good technique. And I think that that, I, I think that that not enough people sort of pay attention to that because that I think is the big the thing that most differentiates one make of camera to uh, against another. I absolutely totally agree with you with the middle end to the higher end, but obviously we're a minority compared to I don't necessarily say the lower end, but I guess the more amateur and beginner end. Most of those people are taking these cameras and shooting in auto and shooting out to their heart's content and all they care about is pushing a button and looking at the LCD screen, playing, playing back. They don't even care about deleting the images these days, which is ridiculous and sometimes funny, but um, you're absolutely correct. There are people that do care about a user interface and accessing certain functions perfectly. And there are so many pros out there that want to be able to do that without moving their eye from the viewfinder. That's extremely important. Um, that was one of my things when I thought about what DSLR system to go to as well, too. So, yeah, I mean, for the higher end, absolutely that stuff does matter. So do features like, let's say, let's say you wanted to get into time-lapse shooting. Not all cameras these days offer time-lapse mode. Why not? But for general consumers no i mean they just care about pointing a button shooting and going wow that looks great i'm wondering you know now that 
we have all these websites dedicated to photography. We have podcasts. We have YouTube videos, all that go into depth and providing sample images. Do you feel like that the people, the photographers, the photo enthusiasts are are more well-informed lot? Or do you think that all this information and opinions and and message boards are really sort of creating more confusion for people? I feel it's quite an interesting question. I mean, there's obviously a lot of information out there, but I also feel that having all that information out there is a great thing. I mean, it's democratized information for all of us. Um, I mean, there's the DP review forums and there's DP review themselves. And then there's websites like mine and there's stuff like our photography on Reddit, which is wonderful. I don't necessarily think that it makes people confused. I think that people will go to the sources that they mostly care about and they will believe them. And in a way, I essentially want to say that it's like creating your own flock or group of followers. Like, for example, there are many people that take anything that uh, Scott Kelby and Knapp say word for word and believe it. And then there are people that do the same thing for B&H photos, videos, and there are people that do the same thing for DP review. And I think it's about appealing to different audiences and different niches. For the general person, though, absolute total confusion. Don't get it wrong. There's most of that information can sometimes be pervade in such a way that can be totally going right over their heads. And in a way, what you have to find is you have to find a really good medium between the knowledge that someone like you, me, or any other photographer that's been shooting for years knows and finding a way to package it to a person that knows absolutely nothing about this and just wants to take good pictures. So I think that that's something that people that are spreading messages need to keep in mind. And I think that consumers also need to keep in mind that while they may be reading one thing or another, they don't necessarily need that. And once again, that's about awareness as we were talking about before. And it's also a big thing about trust. Who do they trust to, to provide them information? And, and, and that's a, a question, a question I want, I want to ask you because you, you know, you, you sit in these meetings with all these different manufacturers you know, they're telling you about their, their product and they're also always explaining them in most, the most glowing terms. And then you have the opportunity to go out and use them and you want to give in sort of an honest assessment, but then you also have to consider the relationship that you have with these, with these companies. So can you explain how you sort of strike that balance between being fair to the manufacturers, but also being able to serve your audience at the, you know, at the same time? Well, I basically just tell the manufacturers straight up that um, we're going to test the camera and or the unit, um, whether it be a lens or a light or anything else like that, and we're going to be honest. Um, we're not going to have good reviews. We're not going to have bad reviews. Everything is just going to be clear-cut and honest. And if your product overwhelmingly makes us love it, then it's probably going to get an editor's choice. Um, other than that, I mean... We basically always sell ourselves as always being very honest. 
even when it comes to dealing with some of our advertisers that are currently working with us, like let's say Zeiss or Rokinon or something else like that, if there's a problem that we encounter with the camera, we start to ask them about that. And if they don't have an answer or if we uh, still feel that it's a feature that really irks us, we are very vocal about that. We once had a manufacturer that was really, really angry at us that we actually have never dealt with. We've only dealt with their, dis their distributor in America. Basically, um, the second-in-command of the website, managing editor Javon Servo, was testing a product. And unfortunately, this product led to him dropping his D700 and a lens attached to it. And it ended up costing him quite a bit of money in repair. And when the CEO of this company read it, he sent us an email lambasting us, and I had to tell him straight up, I was like, you know, we don't lie in our reviews at all. We tell it the way it is. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat anything. And he said, well, you know, how would you feel if this hurt my sales and maybe even destroyed my company? And I told him, you know, first off, I really doubt that that might happen, but that's an extreme situation. But either way... I still can't sit here and lie about a product that caused one of my staffers a massive repair and he still just wasn't having it. And after a while, we just said, look, this, we just can't deal with this anymore. So, I mean, there obviously are going to be some conflicts and stuff like that, but I think overall just staying honest and holding your ground is really the best thing to do. Yeah. Well, these, these trade shows can be pretty big and I think a lot of people have, um, a lot of excitement uh, revolving around having access to all this equipment and seeing what's new around the corner. Um, we talked a little about what you're kind of expecting, but personally, what are, what are some of the things that you're really looking forward to uh, in New York in the next couple of weeks? I really think that, well, I mean, this is October, and then it's going to be November and then it's going to be December. And I really think that right now is the time where all these manufacturers were sitting there, probably sitting on something really, really big that they've been waiting until this moment to release. And I think that they're all going to be sitting there looking at one another, trying to figure out basically how they can get sales and how they can outdo one another because they're going to be looking at holiday season. So I think that a lot of manufacturers are really going to be trying to put on their absolute top-notch best A game at Photo Plus. Um, it's usually the way it works out. A lot of manufacturers just save all those announcements for around this time, or they usually save it around for summer because obviously there are a lot of summer rebates and things like that too. But, I, I mean, also every other year is Photokina in September, and this year there is no Photokina. So I think that a lot of the really, really big announcements might be seen around now, and I think there's going to be a lot of excitement in the air, not only on websites, but also in forums and amongst customers. And then we're going to be seeing those translate later on into sales, pre-orders, and everything else during the holiday season. So uh, what, what kind of presence are you guys going to have there? I assume that you're going to be there. You're going to have several members of the team there. And, what, and are they all going to be designated to cover different things? Yeah, um, we've actually been working on booking meetings already um myself i'll be there um javon who is the managing editor will be there uh julius the executive editor and we're actually flying in felix uh who is the news editor and we're flying him in from germany for this uh, we're going to be splitting up a lot of those meetings some of them we may be going to go 
go to together because they are just that importance. And uh, we're going to be trying to do as much coverage as we possibly can there. And we're going to make it a good show. We're going to give everyone a lot of information the way we try to do every day. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I recommend that they ask that they uh, suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and why? My favorite photographer right now has to be a photographer by the name of Elliot Duduk. Um, I discovered him when I was working at B&H Photo and he won a PDN 30 award for a project that he did. And now it was called uh, The Road Ends in Water, I believe. It was basically a documentary project about him documenting the daily lives of people that live along the river uh, in the American South. And right now he's working on another documentary landscape project, uh, basically about the Civil War, he's basically trying to document the lives of a couple of Civil War reenactors and also different landscapes and places where the American Civil War happened. And I think he's doing a really, really great job on that. But overall, I just love his ideas and I love the work that he can deliver. And I also love his eye for photography. Um, he obviously shoots quite a bit, but then he's also extremely discerning about the stuff that he puts out there. And I think that even more than composing in a camera or anything else like that, I think that one of the biggest skills that you can have as a photographer is trying to decide what work you should put out there and what work you shouldn't put out there. Because other than that, you could be putting out a plethora of images and people might not even see some of the best stuff because they don't want to sit there and sift through everything. But if you can really give people just the creme de la creme of what you produce, then I think that's absolutely invaluable. And where can people go to find out more about you and everything you do? Um, you can go to the photographer.com. Uh, I'll spell that for you. It's T H E P H O B as in boy L O G R A p-h-e-r and you can also find me on 500px i've actually been working on redoing my own personal website i've gone through five different iterations and i've hated them all after like four months so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um currently right now you can find me on chris camp at that 500px.com oh thanks chris and, and have a great time at the trade show yeah thank you so much for having me Thanks for joining us for another episode. If you like what you're hearing, you can support this show in a variety of ways. You can donate any amount using PayPal. A link can be found on the Candid Frame website. Also, if you click on our affiliate links and make purchases through Amazon, B&H, or Adorama, you can also help us to continue to produce the best interview show on photography. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music is available through incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.